Hey friend, are you looking for a way to reignite the spark in your marriage? Well, I've got some really good news for you. Jeff and I are going to host a free virtual date night on March 14th at 7 p.m. And this is going to be a place where you can discover practical tools with the Enneagram so that you can really understand one another, right? Like we all need that. Well, this 90 minute event, we're going to explore the power of the Enneagram with the gospel to help your marriage flourish. And how are we going to do that? Well, we've got something new and unique with the Enneagram called the relational dance. We help you to understand why your spouse thinks, feels, and does certain things and how to navigate that dance together. So reserve your free ticket now at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash date night. You are not going to want to miss this. Trust me, you're going to gain so much more clarity than you ever thought imaginable. Get your ticket at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash date night, and we cannot wait to see you there. Hey, welcome everyone to Your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. We're so excited to have it on YouTube. So please check us out there. Watch, like the video and definitely subscribe to our channel. That really helps us out. Well, I am so excited for today's episode and special guests. Today, not only are we going to continue our conversation about our new book, More Than Your Number, which is released here soon on September 20th, we're going to talk about our new proprietary Enneagram content called Enneagram Internal Profile, or EIP for short. But we're also going to hear from our very special guest and friend, Allie Worthington, and she is a type seven. So Jeff, can you give us a brief overview of EIP and what that means and how does it help us to navigate our internal world? Yeah, sure. You know, it, so much of what EIP is about is addressing the various parts of our hearts. And so if you're hearing about EIP for the first time and you don't know what we're talking about, be sure to go check out episode 112 uh, and you can go and purchase more than your number. It's going to be coming out here in a few weeks. And where we fully explain this approach to the Enneagram, uh, which we call the Enneagram Internal Profile, for short, we call it EIP. Uh, and if you know, want to know more about Type 7s and their specific EIP, you can go to Episode 126, where we do a deep dive into the Type 7s world. And as we know, uh, God does focus on our heart conditions, and the Enneagram brings awareness and clarity of whether our heart is aligned or misaligned with the truth of the gospel at any given moment. And we created EIP uh, to help us more easily understand the various parts of our hearts. So to start, each Enneagram type has six basic EIP parts. Your main type comprising of two parts, your wounded child and gospel-led beloved child. Your main type has also four connecting types that comprise of four other parts of your heart. The two wings, that's right, both of them, not just one of them. Mm -hmm. And then the two paths, but also realize that those paths, we don't just go there in positive and negative ways. We actually go there in both healthy and uh, unhealthy ways. But either of these parts can be aligned or misaligned uh, with the truth of the gospel, depending upon who we're living out of, our wounded self or our beloved mm -hmm. self. So by using EIP, we become aware of what's happening in our hearts. And then when our wounded child is trying to lead and all of these other parts are coming to uh, to help, that can actually negatively affect our relationships. And the reason why EIP is so beneficial is that we can use this awareness so that we can surrender, depend, and ask the Holy Spirit to help awaken our beloved child and to lead our heart back to health, which brings great blessing to ourselves and to our relationships. 
In fact, when our heart is aligned and living out of the beloved part of our hearts, we'll see an overflow of that represented in the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, today we have a very special guest who identifies as an Enneagram Type 7. It's Allie Worthington, a Type 7, a wife, mom of five sons, and living outside of Nashville. She's an author, speaker, and coach who helps women to be more successful in their careers, businesses, and entrepreneurial pursuits. She founded this coach school and in this endeavor and hosts the incredible Allie Worthington Show podcast. So, Allie, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about just your type and tell us a little bit more about what really gets get you excited as a type seven uh, serving all these women in your life? Well, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me, of course. Um, it, I was chuckling. For everyone watching on YouTube, you can see we both have white shelves behind yes, us. Very similar. And the the thing that I think gives me away as an Enneagram 7, that I have six or seven disco balls on my shelves and like some Mickey Mouse ears because I love yeah. amusement parks. And, Absolutely. and so it's, it's, <laughs> it's a very seven-ish collection of, yeah. of, things, that, of mm-hmm. things that I love. Well, I, you know, Allie, it's funny. So we have the Enneagram collection right behind us. Well, type ones experience that shelf because uh, <laughs> there aren't the same number of books. Well, because, they are now, right? No, I don't think we ever fixed it. So no, it, type are. one, it's sorry fixed. if we Wait. haven't fixed it yet. But nope. but it, it is so funny. People do relate to what's behind us. Uh, some fixed. people, we have some books turned around. It's for aesthetics more than anything else. We're not hiding the titles. But people are like, well, what's the title of those books? Uh, but they, yeah, the what's behind us uh, does uh, capture people's attention. Whereas someone like my person, mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Yeah, Beth could care less <laughs> what's on the shelves. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so fun. But yeah, we were talking about how our shelves are. And you have kind of like a rainbow effect going on, like on your right shoulder. Mm-hmm. And we have the rainbow effect. So yeah, it's kind of like, oh my gosh. Well, Allie, wouldn't. Tell me a little bit about the work that you do and how just being a seven mm-hmm. impacts how you approach your work with women. Yeah. Oh, such a great question. Well, as a seven, if there's something that I like, I want to do a lot of it and I want to do a lot of different versions of it. So I write books and I speak and I podcast and I mm-hmm. coach and I build different projects. So it's it's just in me to want mm-hmm. to do more and more. Um, I really discovered the power of the internet in like 2006, 2007. And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Especially women. Women could just go online and learn anything they wanted to learn. And we didn't have to like get permission or show that we could, you know, build something. Um, And of course, anyone can do that. And I just fell in love with the freedom. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with the fact that I could learn anything that I wanted to learn and I could just try things. Yeah. And so now I spend my days teaching everyone else how to do the same that's, you know, coming up behind me. Uh, I have an idea for a different business or different product probably once a week. (laughs) I have a very long notes (laughs) section in my notes apps for ideas to do one day. And my rule of thumb is I can do one new thing a year. So like this year I'm writing a book next year, I'll launch it. No matter what brilliant idea I come up with for something fun and something new to do, I'm not allowed to do it until 2025. Wow. But I, I I can understand why. <laughs> <laughs> we are in the middle of a very intense, awesome summer with yeah. not only releasing this book coming up soon, but we've also created several courses and 
launched different things. And so, yeah, I totally understand why that is a good principle to be, yeah. to be held. So being a type six there, mm-hmm. I, I have a seven wing, which yeah. I, I have a name for him. Uh-huh. His name is El Macordo. Uh, and just to give a little understanding of why it's almost it was a, a term of endearment given to me by some men that I was discipling, but, um, I'm, I'm half Mexican, a quarter Cherokee and English. So the McCord, I was adopted into the McCord family. So El McCordo is Jeff's fun, creative, exciting, but I, I have found like, Okay, so we're really focused on more than your number, but there have been so many other ideas of things that I would like for us to write and give our attention to. It really is hard. And I've even heard other sevens. Mm -hmm. Like I remember one seven made a contract or his wife drew up a contract (laughs) that he could not buy a new car for a year (laughs) because he kept changing out cars like every quarter. But it that should be a that should be a new membership. A new membership? Yeah, like I would love that. A new membership, like you just you you join this membership and you can trade out a car every quarter. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, you've done the same thing, Ellie. You're You're welcome. I I get one project. (laughs) This is this is my one big idea. Well, and I would say also, Jeff. So your seven allows you to have that fun and that spontaneity, but your six, your top um, strength finder, is restorative. So. The six is always seeing what's broken or what needs to be fixed. And so then the seven comes in and says, oh, well, we could fix it with this and we could fix it with oh, that and yes. we could do that. You're getting in the kitchen now. I know. Because like, I, 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 totally, I also I totally. You just named something in my heart that's future-oriented, past-oriented, and the difficulty of managing both because I feel like I'm, I never have enough opportunity in the future and I'm never paying enough attention to the past to make sure that I've corrected it. Well, everything. and then your five part comes in and says, hey, here, okay, I'll gather all the second. information. This, this is not about therapy for Jeff right now. <laughs> Allie's like, this is great. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, Allie. So, this is what it's like to be uh, married to Beth. She just, with the Enneagram, just digs oh, right yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Well, Allie, let me do something for our guests real quick. Because I'd love to like just dive a little bit more into just the seven as a whole. But in order to do that, I want them to be reminded of what y'all sevens are like. And I said you all because I'm in Nashville and I can do that, even though I'm uh, from the you, Midwest. You said you all, but it's Did actually I? y'all. Oh, okay. You tried. I tried. You hey, tried. I'm from the Midwest. What can I say? Anyway. All right. So type sevens are the types that are joyful. They're enthusiastic. They're very sociable and radiate optimism. Uh, they are lovers of variety. They're, they see life as big and joyous. They want to experience as much as they possibly can. To them, life has endless possibilities um, and creativity. They radiate positivity, um, happiness, and they long for more and definitely fear of missing out. Their focus of attention is best case thinking to provide exciting stimulation and to avoid anything that brings discomfort or boredom. Now their strengths, they have lots of amazing strengths. Again, they're outspoken, spontaneous, they're free spirited, fun loving. They can be very playful and youthful, and they're usually seen as the the life of the party. Um, And they're so generous at heart to bring this joy to others as well. And they're also not afraid to be spontaneous or to take risks. They really just enjoy the fullness of life. But as we've always talked about, 
it really comes down to the core motivations. So let's look at type seven's core motivations, which is why they think, feel, and behave in particular ways. So for the type seven, they fear being deprived, emotionally trapped in pain, limited, bored, and definitely missing out on something, something fun for sure. But they desire to be happy, fully satisfied and content, but they have the core weakness of gluttony. Now, gluttony here, of course, they do love food, but it really is this feeling of great emptiness inside. And they have this insatiable desire to fill themselves up with experiences and stimulation in hopes that they'll completely feel satisfied and content. Now, their core longing, the message their heart longs to hear is that you will be taken care of. So, Allie, just kind of as we kind of summed that all up, when you started learning about the Enneagram, what made you kind of go, oh, yes, I'm a type seven? Like, what was that aha moment for you? Oh, gosh. Well, the gluttony part. Now, of course, I, I mean, yes, I would like five pieces of carrot cake, but <laughs> but even with business, I want to do all the things, you know, like, you know, the, I was the girl as a kid who read the encyclopedia because there was just so much there and so many opportunities and things I could dream about for the future. And then the internet came along and I was like, what? I can do all of these things. This is yeah. amazing. Um, we, we always joked when I was learning about the internet, like, no wonder, like you had one kid and then you're like, why not? We'll just have five. <laughs> one, good. Let's keep going. So just any, anything that I love, you just go, for I'm it. just going to keep going yeah. with, if I'm at an amusement park and there's a roller coaster, I love, I'm not going to be happy till I ride it seven times that the, mm-hmm. the attendant will know my name by the end of the day. That's me. <laughs> that's fun. But learning about the Enneagram, what really did it for me is the message my heart longs to hear. That's that I will be taken care of. That did it. If I had any other questions about what Enneagram number I could be, it was wiped out by that one thing. That's how I knew it was me. And what was it about that that just really hit your heart? I had never been able to verbalize that need before in such a clear, concise way. Just this the me- I actually read that on a plane mm-hmm. surrounded by strangers traveling to a speaking event and started crying, hearing that, oh, that, that is the core longing of my heart that I will be taken care of. And it was that quick emotional reaction I knew. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. exactly yeah. like mine was the same. Like when I read the type nines, I just, I rem- I can even still s- almost see myself in the living room up in normal Illinois crying when I, so it was just, it hit so close to home. And for those that are out there, what I want to say real quick about the core longing of the type seven, which is um, you will be taken care of. There's a lot of sevens that actually go, wait, what? Like, I don't get it. And I think the reason, well, well, part of the reason why they don't get it is because they'll reframe in their mind. Like, what do you mean? Like, I get all the things that I want. Like, you know, I take good care of myself. Well, that's kind of the point. So I frame it in this way. Like, so a type seven or any of us, when we were kids, you know, we're like, to our parents, hey, can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? And hey, can we go to Dairy Queen? And hey, can we go to a movie now? And hey, like even if our parents did take us to all of those amazing things in one day, there is a time where it actually, um, you know, they're like, hey, we need to go home, take a bath, you know, do our chores, our homework. And, you know, it's like, you know, all of us, even as kids, you know, no matter what type, you're like, no, like, I want to keep going. I want to have fun. Like, stop. Don't, don't stop it now. Um but life has to happen, right? And so what it feels like to a seven is that kid 
had fun along the way, but they still have an insatiable desire for more. It's like hunger pains. And so when the parent shuts it down, it's like, wait, you didn't fully meet what I needed because I'm still hungry for more. Why are you saying no? And so it feels as if others are not tending to the type seven's needs or can't. And so the seven feels like, well, I guess I have to do it all on my own. I'm, I'm, I'll just be the independent person and I'll figure it out and I'll satisfy my own desires. And that's where they go from thing to thing to thing to thing because they're hoping to fill up that craving. Does that sound accurate for you? hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, and you can imagine how I hope that the people that are watching this can imagine how that would be really hard. Like if you, you know, if you think about a kid who hasn't eaten for several days, you know, let's say they're um, on the street and they have not eaten, they have, you know, major hunger pains And then what if they just looked around and all of a sudden there was several people around that had cotton candy and actually offering the cotton candy. That kid is going to be, one, elated that there's cotton candy and it's being offered. Why wouldn't I take it? And so the kid is eating this cotton candy and it is so wonderful to the taste. But as we all know, it doesn't do anything beyond that. Like it doesn't actually satisfy. And so that's where the sevens get caught up is that they, they have this thought, oh, this next thing in my life, this next plan I have is going to be that thing that fills me up. But once they eat it, they, or, you know, experience it, it might've been fun in the moment, but they don't feel like that lasting satisfaction. And so then they're off for more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And the more you get into that predicament, the more you're actually falling into, and we'll go into this right now is the wounded child. So we talked about earlier, the Um, In our EIP six parts, the main type has two parts, the wounded child and the beloved child. So for the uh, type seven, we just kind of want to talk about that. And for the seven, what we want to see is when a seven gets misaligned with the truth of the gospel, they will feel this internal hunger. Now, actually any type, I mean, all sevens are going to feel that hunger. That's just on this side of heaven, the way it is, but Instead, they're going to want to fill up that insatiable desire because this is a very vulnerable part and a tender part of their heart, the wounded child that has felt the pain of their past and that they didn't get the protection or the needs that they felt that they really needed. So what you see is the seven constantly longing for more and fearing that they're not going to be taken care of. And so they're trying to kind of disconnect from these painful feelings and trying to strive to get more. Um, But what happens at the end of the day is when they don't feel that satisfaction and content heart, they will either, probably not around others, they'll start to feel that sadness and that grief and that loss, but maybe around others and to themselves, most of the time they're going to try to reframe and make it into a positive because to sit with the hard emotions, to sit with the agony that they're not getting that contentment or that satisfaction inside and to face that time and time again, you can imagine would be super hard and painful. And so the message as a child that they felt like they were hearing was it's not okay to depend on anyone for anything. And they're Constant craving meant that it's up to me to figure it out. But even as an adult, as I'm sure you can attest, is that you still long to hear you will be taken care of. Can you kind of walk us through, Allie, you know, what it's like when that wounded child part of your heart comes up and is 
just so hungry and is just trying to grab at anything. And yet at the same time, never feeling nourished to the, to the point where you feel satisfied. Like what does that experience feel like? And do you have like stories or anything that you can share? Yeah. I mean, I can trace my, uh, so much of my personality back to formative experiences in my childhood. When I was almost three, I was an only child and my family was in a car accident. Um, I died and the doctors were able to bring me back. My father died. My mom ended up in a body cast for an extended period of time. And of course, my mom's 23. She's lost her husband. She's depressed. Um, My dad was a carpenter. It's not like there was money left over, you know, when, when he passed away. And so that feeling of, oh, I'm alone now. There's no one to take care of me. It's it's kind of etched into my soul. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point now that as I've learned to kind of live out of the beloved child mindset, um, I notice that the Lord is so kind and gracious with me that he ever so often will just speak to me. Um, I had a really bad week a couple of weeks ago. And at the end of the week, I had taken a couple of my sons to the movies and gotten a sorbet because what is a seven love more than movies and ice cream, right? Right. And I'm eating the ice cream and I I heard in my spirit clear as day, I heard the Lord say, I am the one who takes care of you. Mm. And it, it just, you know, for a seven, that's, that's what I need to hear. And I wrote it down on a little piece of paper, a post-it note, and I put it on my computer and then it fell off my computer and I forgot about it. And I was outside walking my dog two weeks later And I look down and there's this ratty piece of pink post-it note that somehow had ended up in the yard. And it was, I take care of you. Mm. It was like the Lord (laughs) is like, I keep chasing you down to give you this reminder so you won't forget. No matter what happens in your life, I am the one who takes care of you. Now, do I still go back and, and live out of that wounded child mindset of I'm on my own, you know, I'm abandoned. I can't depend on anybody. It's all up to me. Sure. And he's so gracious to always pull me back with the truth that you can depend on me. I am the one who cares for you. Um, But to some degree, at least in my 45 years of life, it's a, it's a struggle that I go back and forth with Mm -hmm. that. If I'm not really uh, intentional about it, I will get back to that place of, nobody's going to take care of me. It's all up to me. You know, I I have to hustle and make sure everything is okay really, really quickly. Yeah. Ellie, I'm curious when you think about that three-year-old, we, we can have different feelings about that needy, wounded, scared part of our hearts. Mm -hmm. When you think about little Allie, what are your feelings and thoughts towards her? We'll be back after a quick break. Hey friend, let's imagine a date night where everything changes for you and your spouse. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, that's exactly what's going to happen on March 14th. Jeff and I are inviting you to a special virtual date night where we're going to help you to really understand you and your spouse and why you guys have the dance that you do. Now, I know you probably step on each other's toes. We get it. We've been there. We've been married almost 30 years. 
But the dance, this tool with the Enneagram, poof, you are going to be so amazed at how much you're going to understand your all's dance and then how to correct it in a healthy way. So if this sounds intriguing to you and you want to see your marriage grow and flourish with grace and compassion and understanding, then grab your free ticket at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash date night. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss out on this free opportunity. Again, it's yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash date night, and we cannot wait to see you there. Well, for a very long time, it's not something that I wanted to think about to the point where my therapist at one point said, you'd feel a lot better in life if you would just deal with this. And I go, oh, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that sounds what a, like what a blunt line. Like, Hey, you're paying me. Either we're going to do the work or not. What, what do you want to do? Alex? It's like, it, I think for a, my eight wing appreciated it. Yeah, <laughs> but there's sure. a lot of, there's a lot of types that are like, yeah, just dive into it. You know, like that's what you've got to do. But really for the seven, that is literally the core fear. Like you're asking a seven to do the hardest thing imaginable, even if they logically know on the other side is help and uh, joy. I mean, I can just almost sit here and imagine how hard that must have been for you to start walking in those like rough waters. Do you, it do took you... a year and a half. Wow. Oh, wow. Because for me as a seven, if I allow myself to go somewhere painful, everything in me screams, you're never going to come out of that deep, dark pit. You're yeah. stuck there forever. Yeah. 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 Yes. And my, my dad is a seven. And I know when he ended up going to counseling, which again, it was the same thing, like really resisted for a long time. Um, I'm not sure really resisted is a captures the full extent. <laughs> well, the, what I was going to say is to him, you know, they went and it was great. And, you know, the, lots of really good things came from it. So proud of him. Um, but he said, going to a counselor is like going to a dentist without Novocaine. Like who signs up for that? Like, you know, like, and especially when you're in the seat and you're being drilled on and you have no Novocaine you're just trying as best to get out of that seat. Even if you know, long-term there's goodness on the other side, you know, you're going to, that, that pain is going to be resolved. But I, I, I just think people don't quite understand what this is like for a seven and why they squirm and why they try to get out. I think Ted Lasso also is a great example. Um, when he was going, trying to go see the counselor, like, yes. The first time he was in the counselor, he's like squirming all over the chair and he like couldn't sit still. And then he finally sat still for a while. But then, of course, that was too much. So he left. And then the second time he comes in, he's just he's just mean, like he's just kind of kind of going to that one eight space, you know, part of the heart, like just kind of drilling her because she's going to bring about pain. Right. If he sits there. But then he finally recognizes he goes to that beloved part of his heart and recognizes I have to sit in this. I have to do the work. And he does. And so much goodness comes out of that. Um, and so let's kind of go with that beloved child um, part. It's interesting, Ali, you've already mentioned it. I mean, they're being caught in the theater um, and the Lord mm -hmm. speaks and there's a sense of fullness. Were, were you aware of your need in the moment? I was never aware of my need until I discovered the Enneagram. Mm. And then it... It, everything made sense. Yeah. yeah. But um, no, I tend to, it, even as as I went through those couple of really hard weeks that led up to that moment, I, I wasn't really paying attention. Mm. It was yeah. just, 
like most of life, oh, this is really hard. Let me see if I can get through this. You know, adulthood is just saying this is really hard, but I'll get to the other side and it'll be easy, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was just trying to get through those hard couple of weeks. And then just out of the blue, he reminded me. Yeah. Man, I I mean, what a a special moment of assurance. Yeah. Yeah. That when... Like I'm, I'm on my way being all sexy and just doing my six strategies and making it through life. And then the Lord surprises like, yeah. Hey, I, I see what's going on here. I'm, I'm here for you. Yeah. And I, I think I love that, that surprise element, you know, because a lot of times we don't know what we need, you know, we're, we're trying with the wounded child, try to fulfill these needs in the way that it, it is known how to do it in its way, all of these years, like, you know, your little three heart was trying its best to get through some really hard times and it did its best. So we want to befriend that part. I think a lot of times we shame that part or get upset with that part of ourselves because it does create um, some negative consequences personally and with relationships. Um, But it only knows what it knows. Like it's the wounded part of our heart. It's the little child within us. And so by recognizing that they're doing the best that they can and having positive intent and coming alongside that little child part and saying, thank you so much for trying, but there's a new way and there's a better way. And let me lead you in that. So that's where the beloved child comes in. And for the seven, what we see is usually it's when the seven slow down, doesn't mean stop, slows down enough to process life, to be present in the moment, to see the blessing. So instead of that little kid who's starving and just grabbing cotton candy because it looks so bright. He's actually seeing real food that's going to nourish his soul and taking the time to eat that food and allow it, you know, to do what it needs to do um, and not trying to, you know, bypass it just for the fun. And so for the beloved child, one thing that we will see is that the seven can savor the moment. That's my favorite word for sevens is savor the moment because our mind's always going to the next thing. And the beloved child might say something like, you know, I don't need to escape or reframe painful experiences since Christ is with me and will provide me with sustaining peace, joy, and assurance. So do you have any other insights for those that are out there, whether they're um, a type seven or they have a type seven in their life that they love that you can kind of, kind of open up an understanding of what the beloved child looks like and feels like, especially for the sevens who are afraid to step into that space because like you said, but if I go there, I'm just going to be trapped in this painful place forever. Can you like give advice or stories or something that could really help them to like take that first step? Yeah, I can. I definitely feel comfortable talking about that fear of if, if I go there, it's just going to be terrible forever. For me, what helped give me the strength to be able to go there and deal with parts that that were uncomfortable that I needed to deal with because I'm so future focused as a seven. I'm always thinking about tomorrow and next year and 10 years from now. And mm-hmm. I love that. For me, I had to say to myself, if I don't deal with the parts that need healing and need help, I am just keeping myself back from all the things that God has for me in the future. I'm so excited about opportunities in the future and so excited about experiences I can have in the future. But if I don't deal with this in the present, I'm just hamstrung as I go into the future. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be as good as I want it to be. It's not going to be as exciting as I want it to be because I'm going to be bringing the baggage with me. So until I 
have the strength to deal with the baggage. I'm just going to be carrying it along. Mm -hmm. And for me, I just tended to be, I had to hear stories from friends who had gone through and done the hard work, Mm -hmm. who are sevens, who could promise me I wouldn't be stuck in that deep, dark place of dealing with any negative emotions. And then I just had to trust the process. Wow. Whenever, uh, in, in thinking about this recent experience that you had in the Lord offering a word of assurance to you, how did that change the way you faced your wounded child? Mm. Mm, I think with so much more empathy, yes. because sometimes we can think of the wounded child in ourselves as something that drags us down and that was in the past and this should be over. But it's a real empathy that this whether it's an experience we have, you know, whatever causes this, Mm -hmm. some of us can track it to a certain thing. Um, And like you said earlier, sometimes it's just something um, in a personality type. But when I think of how gracious and loving and understanding the Lord is with me, it gives me the ability to be so much more understanding and patient and gracious with the side, with the parts of myself that are hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tell me if this resonates with you. I, I find so having tons of theological training and particularly within a tradition that focuses a lot on the centrality of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And I I felt like there's two parts of me similar to uh, the father. I think it's in Mark 9 that um, this child uh, is demon-possessed and cries out to Jesus for help and says, I, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. So there's there's kind of two parts to it. There's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, the, the the Lord will take care of me. I, I believe that. I'm assured of that. And then there's another part of me that doesn't. And but it, it seems like there's this transition that we have to make of applying the gospel, applying that promise to ourselves. Mm-hmm. What what is it like for you to bring that promise that you know to be true? Um, adult Allie knows that to be mm-hmm. true to bring that to three-year-old Allie? Well, let me just say, first of all, in full transparency, the Lord has done some version of this probably five times in the past decade. Sure. And I just poof, I forget, and I panic, and I go right back to it. <laughs> and then something else will happen. The Lord is like, I am here. It's okay. Yes. I'll take care right. of you. And I always document it. So I can go back and, you know, I remember I'll take, not only do I write it down, I take a picture and I, I keep records of it because we need to remind ourselves of, mm-hmm. of like words and truth that he gives us, but I, I fall right back into it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it involves really kind of trying to systematize it in my life so I can be constantly reminded. Like I have um, up in my office, a word that he gave me July 23rd. 2017. The thing that I told you about when I found the pink piece of paper mm-hmm. in the yard was June 18th, 2022. So I'm constantly creating something so I can see it as I yeah. walk through my office, as I go through. So 
I can remember to live out of the beloved child mm. as opposed to living out of that wounded child yeah. mindset. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's very biblical, right, Allie? Because the Bible is full of memorials of when God visited yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, instead of stone altars, we uh, we put picture frames well, and, and I, uh, quotes. <laughs> I think that's really helpful. And when we bring it from an Enneagram perspective, one thing that I know we've talked a lot about is most people are going to churches or reading certain books or listening to certain podcasts, trying to find what is this person I admire say, and I need to follow them. And yet what we need to realize is that your Enneagram type guy created you to learn about your core longing and how he satisfies it. Now, of course, the gospel is the gospel in full, but there's something that is missing that we're starving for. And so as much as I love listening to Allie, I also have to be mindful of, okay, well, she's done these really great things. And this, this message means a lot to her, but what is the message I'm craving for? And to make sure that we focus on our own heart and to become aware of our own heart and what it's craving and make sure that we go to the gospel to meet those needs. I think it's so, it's so important because I think we can lose sight if we just follow people and what they say, they may have great ideas, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to um, speak directly to our type and our heart. Yeah. I, I wondered this for you, Allie, uh, being the leader that you are. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed in my life is that as a pastor, I realized I was really discipling others to be a healthy six. Hmm. Have you ever experienced that where it feels like you're trying to bring the same kind of experience of the gospel that you have as a type seven, but hoping that others would have it, but through the lens of a seven and not for them individually? I think I would had I not discovered the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. yes. And it made me mindful with my books that I don't write books to type sevens. Mm, so, so good. One thing that one thing that I'm doing with this new book that I'm working on is I have a group of about 15 women who are reading it three chapters at a time, and they're very different from me. Mm -hmm. So I can make sure that as I'm writing, I am not trying to write from the perspective of a seven, that I'm trying to write from a perspective where everyone's going to get value out of it. Because if you're not a seven, it's just, it's not going to resonate. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been really careful with that, with, Man, with my I work. I love especially. that. Well, one, okay. So we're going to jump into the connecting parts because that's a great yeah. segue into the connecting. So in the EIP, as we said, there are six parts. We just talked about uh, the main type having two parts, the wounded child and the beloved child, but there's four more parts and these are the connecting types. So the two wings and the two Enneagram paths. So we're going to jump into the wings first. The reason being is what you just said is a very also six like characteristic. So one of Jeff's favorite things as a pastor, like if he could have um, writing sermons his way, like the, the way that he would want the most, it's to have a team of people around him, just like you said, to bring ideas, to question things, to have different perspectives. You want to speak to that and then kind of, and speak to the sixth part of your heart and, and how sevens, you know, are also, they bring a side or the six brings a side of loyalty, commitment, hard work, uh, resilience, courage, um, but also the, the wounded child part would be 
let's see, uh, worried, frenetic, um, constantly trying to make plans that won't fail because they're so worried. Um, so do you want to speak to that part of your heart? Um, and then like the whole kind of bringing people alongside? Well, I mean, as a six, I didn't like the idea of just, uh, hiding myself into an office and studying and thinking about the message that I want to give to people, to the Lord wants. And so being communal and sort of looking outside myself, it can look two different ways. One, if I were to be a head pastor, I never was, and I didn't have to preach that much, but uh, I could do it one out of anxiety to make sure that I'm doing a good job. You mean bringing people around you? That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That resolves my self doubt. Or it could be because I'm trying to rather than serve a wounded part of my heart, I'm actually living out of beloved. And Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I understand and apply this text in a way that's not just through the lens of six. Yeah. I love that because you're, you're painting the two sides of the same characteristics or intent. So Mm -hmm. Allie, how does your six wing show up in your life? Mm -hmm. Well, I love how you teach that we, we don't just have one wing. We don't just have one path. And because I used to be so confused in the beginning, because I would go, well, I feel like my six wing shows up in my family life and my Uh eight wing shows up in my work and no one really talked about it before. Right. Um, I can think about with my six wing with relationships. I used to be so anxious that a relationship would not work out or Mm -hmm. I would get hurt. I would quit. I would quit things I love. I would Mm -hmm. have a feeling that it wasn't going to work out with a friendship. So I would just ghost a friend. I broke up with boyfriends because I was sure things wouldn't work out in the future. I joined a sorority in college and two months in, I was like, yeah, I'm done. I quit. I, I actually enjoyed it, yeah. but I was just, I was too anxious about all the things that could go wrong. So your mind was showing you kind of like the sixes inner committee was showing you all the things that could happen Yep. The ne- the negative things that could happen. And for that, for a seven, that's super scary and it probably felt real. And so yeah. that's why you would quit versus if it didn't feel real, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that kind of doesn't sound fun, but I think I could stick it out. But if the wounded child's really playing a major role in that six space, it's convincing you that this is probably going to happen and you didn't want to stick around. Right? It is interesting to hear you talk about how your six wing shows up. I find myself, and as I think about others, this may not be true of all sixes. I don't want to say that. But there's a sense to where if I anticipate that the relationship is ending, there's this part of me that wants to work harder to save the relationship. Well, yeah. But type sevens have a tendency to, if it's not working out, they're out. Well, yeah, me too. And they they move on. And nine, that's like, as we've seen, like if, if I numb out, check out, or want to leave a tense situation, that only makes you want to pursue me more out of anxiety to gain security sure. back in our relationship. Whereas as a nine, a little bit different than a seven, I'm feeling this is conflict. This is terrible. There's tension. I'm out. Whereas a seven's like, this isn't fun. I'm being trapped. I'm being cornered into something. No, I don't want I mean, when you anticipated things not working out with, whether it's sorority or other relationships, what was it that you were anticipating that was going to happen? Either I would get hurt or with the sorority, I was just given too many rules. 
So <laughs> that is was, so true. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I don't like rules. I don't want to be told what to do. And so it was. I I, I see a lot of good things about this, but I can't live this way yeah, right. for the next four years. So I'm out. Yeah. yeah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's fun. I totally understand. Uh, and then, but your the the six part shows up for you with your family. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, it's funny when my husband and I were well when I introduced my husband to the Enneagram and he read about time set type seven. He said, "I don't feel like this is you." Uh-huh. And a lot of it is the you know the flightiness. The it can be mm-hmm. you know sevens are considered harder to commit and, you know, we're, we're going on 25 years and everything's great. And, you know, um, I've had lifelong friends that I'm loyal to. So I, I feel like that healthy part of me, that beloved child yeah. helps me to stay in the present, helps me to kind of overcome the way I used to be when I was younger of, oh, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm out. But living out of the beloved child, I'm able to stay committed and stay loyal and, you know, have a great, happy family and yeah. not decide on a Saturday morning that things are going bad and take yeah. off. Right, right. Well, <laughs> you're speaking to something that why we wrote more than your number, mm-hmm. because sometimes our spouses pick up on different parts of us. We yeah. show up differently in different areas of our life mm-hmm. uh, and even moment by moment. So there's uh, a part of me shows up when Beth and I in arguments uh, that, may be different than how I relate to conflict as it relates to our team. And mm-hmm. so, but sometimes people who are dear to us are like, Hey, I, I don't experience that part of you as much, or maybe why am I the only one mm-hmm. who experiences this part of you? Whereas other people don't see this part of your life. Mm-hmm. So be, be curious about that because it, it very well could be the very, um, you know, one word that they use to describe it is a trailhead, kind of like the the opening of a path is that a way of recognizing, oh, a part of me shows up in this relationship and yeah. it can show up both healthy and unhealthy ways, depending mm-hmm. upon if we're living out of wounded or beloved. Yeah. Well, why don't we go to the other wing, your eight wing, mm-hmm. you, you referenced her a little bit earlier yeah. about she shows up at work, Beth. First, why don't you tell us how an eight wing shows up for a seven? Mm-hmm. And then, Allie, why don't you tell us uh, how this eight part of you shows up in, uh, in your ministry? Yeah. So for the seven, the eight wing, the sevens and the eights are both assertive or aggressive types. And they both know what they want and they're going to go after it. So you've got when you have this combination going, the wounded child part of their heart, when it's misaligned, you're going to see the seven sees all of the amazing things. And the eight's going to be like, you know what? I'm going to bring a little bit more power and we're going to plow a path to make sure that we get what we want. And you'll see this more tenacity, um, uh, the ability to assert themselves and insert themselves in situations that maybe no one else wants them to do that forcefully. Um, but they feel this adamant and this deep need to make sure they get what they want or what they think they need. Um, and so they can be a little bit more straightforward, blunt, uh, powerful, intense, but they're also like adrenaline junkies and risk takers. So it's like, you know what, that's what I want. We're going to go for it. It's going to happen. Cause then the sevens positivity, you know, and the reframing, um, and they're both, they have so much energy, the two of them combined, it's really unmatched. And so you'll see a lot of energy and excitement, but when the beloved part of the eight comes in and give in the beloved seven as well, then what you're going to see is 
a person who has the ability and the awareness of all that's happening around them and they know what they want, but they also know what the greater good is and they're able to combine the two. So it's not just like, oh, well, I'm going to forget my needs and my wants and my desires, but it's how do I not only obtain that, but also make sure the greater good for others is happening as well. So you'll see that the seven balance out generosity and the ability to gain what they need. And the eight brings in kind of a, a snowplow effect. So that's what I call eights, a snowplow, where they're actually seeing who's around them and saying, hey, get behind me. I've got this, you know. So then they start plowing a path for themselves and others. And in a way, though, that is joyful and fun. So the eights can be just very straightforward and blunt. But with that seven in the lead, there's going to bring a lot more excitement and joy and energy. Um, and everyone is going to feel excited because they're like, finally, someone is plowing a path for all of us, including the leader. Um, does that resonate with you? And if so, like, tell me more about like, like a story or something that that kind of coincides with that eight part of your heart. Well, I'll tell you, my husband has occasionally nicknamed me the bulldozer. Oh, <laughs> Because if there's something I want, I'm just going to go for it, you know, whether it is. And, and a lot of times when I'm in that frame of mind where I'm just bulldozing everything and everyone, I'm also going to be working way too much and it's going to be really intense and it's yeah. going to be to the exclusion of everything else because I get hyper-focused and this is what we're going for. And that's also normally coming from a, a place of stress too. Mm -hmm. And when it's a little bit healthier, that's when um, it's more of a cheerful bulldozer. Like I'm bringing my team on board and I'm bringing clients on board and I'm making, and I like how you call it a snowplow, that's well, way better. But I, I have that visual of me bringing everybody else on board, helping them along, whether it's, you know, being um, way more clear with my team and thinking about individual team members, where they want to be professionally in a few years and making sure that I'm giving them opportunities to learn and grow in that area mm -hmm. or with my clients thinking about what they need and um, helping them get to where they want to go instead of me being hyper-focused on a new idea and just plowing my way through. It's sure. using that energy in a, in a healthier way that's going to help other people. Wow. No, I, it, it's interesting that your husband calls this part of you a bulldozer. Um, <laughs> a, and that is one of the things about EIP that we want to make sure that we stress. Sometimes it is true that these parts of us show up in unhealthy ways. But there's there's part of it, too, where they, they do show up in healthy ways. And a lot of people benefit from that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we speak to positive intent that... I, I, not that these parts of us show up in different ways for self-protective reasons. And also they're actually a part of our kind of divine design and make up who we are and how we live out our calling. Mm -hmm. When you think of little three-year-old Allie and how her story, how did this eight part of you show up as a kid mm -hmm. that was a help to you in a very difficult story that you were living out? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't, I truly, I don't know other than it must have been what kept me driven yeah. to meet my own needs. It's, mm -hmm. it's the same drive inside of me that led me to build my company and led right. me to, you know, wake up every single day 
going, how can I help other women reach the next level and whatever they want to do? But it's that drive that, that got me through it to get me to where I am now. Mm -hmm. Now, did you, do you find that there's a strong justice part of your heart that this eight wing carries for you for other women? I, I think of, you know, I've never thought about it like that. But when you ask the question like that, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it's just, I want to make sure other women can build companies. I want to make sure other women can support themselves and, and help their family and, and do whatever God's put on their heart to do, whether it's company or a book. Yeah. But yeah, that is what it is. I never, yeah. I never and, thought and about it. And that's why the bowlers are metaphor. Just, it, it, it's not complete. Yeah. It's certainly a part of it. But the reason why we use snowplow is because hey, if you're in front of the snowplow, you're going to get moved off the road. Mm -hmm. But when you're behind it, it's your savior when you're in the storm. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's advocacy as a strong part of your heart. But it's still not totally eight. Like you don't become an eight. Right. And it's still done with the countenance and and the kindness Mm -hmm. and joy of seven likeness. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if anybody has a seven in their lives, you know this eight part. Because you can feel the energy uh, underneath it like, mm-hmm. wow. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the one part for a seven because sometimes people <laughs> are a little surprised by it whenever it comes up. Right. You know, these people, like you mentioned earlier, Allie, I don't want to be confined by the rules. And then all of a sudden they get very one-ish and critical and you're like, whoa, I don't Well, understand. that's a good segue. We should probably go there now. <laughs> so, Yeah. So just to kind of keep everyone on the loop. So we just talked about the type seven's wings, which are the two other parts of their heart, the six and the eight. But let's go into the last two parts of their heart, which are the Enneagram paths. Those are the lines that are connected to seven and they go uh, to five and one. Now in Enneagram 101 kind of teaching, one is a stress path and one is a growth path. That is still true, but we actually also use the healthy and the unhealthy side of both types. And so when we're working with EIP, we're really focusing on, is our heart being led by the wounded child or the beloved child? Therefore, are we, you know, using these parts of our hearts in unhealthy or healthy ways? So the type one part of your heart, um, when it is following the wounded child, it's kind of interesting because sevens are super fun and like, this is going to be great. But then when things aren't right or they're not getting what they think is fun or their vision or their desires, they can become very prickly, very nitpicky, very perfectionistic, um, detailed, um, precise, you know, and just kind of really come in and hone in and kind of get upset with people and judge. And it really surprises people because it's like, uh, where's my seven friend? You know, like, where is this coming from? I think a great example, it's a fun example, is from the office when Michael Scott had his birthday and Kevin Malone might have had skin cancer. And, you know, this is his birthday. It's going to be amazing. They're going to go like ice skating and all these fun things. But everyone was worried, rightfully so, about whether Kevin was going to get a call from the doctor if he had skin cancer or not. So everyone was their their mood was muted. They weren't excited for Michael's birthday and they were just kind of going along and he kind of became very prickly and upset, even though he's trying to be understanding, he wanted a birthday celebration. And so you kind of felt like this prickliness kind of coming out. So the beloved part of, of one, what they bring to the seven is sevens can be just scattered and off and doing things. And like you said, maybe not committed, but the one part, the beloved part brings a principled outlook and duty. And like, this is the right thing to do, but it's not from a, when it, the beloved's leaving, it's not 
oh, this is the right thing to do. It's like, oh, wait, I want to achieve these things and do these things. And in order to get there, there's like a system and a path and things that I need to accomplish. And I'm going to actually do those things. And I'm not going to look at them as drudgery. I'm going to see them as gifts and things that will help me to get me to where I want to go. And so then the one brings that wisdom and that insight and you can get more detailed and precise and actually getting to the place that you're wanting to go. So that being said, what kind of stories do you have for us with the type one showing up in your life? Oh, it resonates so much. And I've never heard anyone else teach ever that we we also have, you know, the positives of the one. And I know you'll talk about five. Um, for me, I realized really quickly when I'm stressed that I, I get controlling, I get nitpicky. I want to bark out orders. Um, I, I'll, it'll show up first with my family sure. and then because my, all my team is remote, no mm-hmm. one's together. No one sees me get prickly, Right. but I start feeling it and I go, Oh, I need, I need to get a handle of myself because I'm Allie who brings disco balls. I'm not Allie that gets angry and leaves a message. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, that's not me. And so when I start feeling it and I start feeling overly frustrated and it's often over nothing, that's my red flag to me that I need to check in with myself because Mm -hmm. I'm stressed. I need to, I need to make sure that I don't hurt anybody. Mm. You know, Yeah. if I ever start feeling like I need to control things or micromanage (laughs) things, that's my indicator that something's wrong and I need to check in. But I'll tell you what surprises everyone about me that I'm a seven is that I do run my company so well. Like my motto mm-hmm. is systems are sexy. Systems are what gets you what you want. So if if you want to you know, get a project done, if you want to expand in some area, you got to have a system for it. Right. And I will sit down and talk to someone for an hour about Google spreadsheets and software and and workflows. And that gets me really excited, not because I'm naturally drawn to it, Mm -hmm. but because I know those are the things that make life easier and where I want to get to in the future, because I am always thinking about the future. I need a good system that's going to get me there. Um, I don't want to be told by somebody else what Mm. to do, right? but I will tell myself what to do and I will follow that system and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Which I mean, we we love this because it uh, oftentimes we hold contempt for the various parts of us, particularly when these parts of us have been experienced as harmful. Uh, and so, you know, in certain situations, maybe for a Type Seven in their family, when their one part showed up, it was self protective, and the family didn't like that part of them, and so they just own like, yeah, I don't want to give attention to it. And yet it's a part of God's gift to us to, in order to live out our sense of calling. And, but it needs to be lived out of our beloved self and not our wounded self. Mm-hmm. But it's even interesting to hear, like, you don't want to be told what to do. But I would imagine that you're always learning about new systems, softwares, workflows. And so there is a sense to where, like, you want to be taught, you want to get, be given clarity because it, you want to adopt it. Uh, for totally. your team. Yeah. And, and with the objective of uh, making sure that the team's experience of doing the business mm. is life giving. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just about getting it right. So you don't become a one that doing it the right way. It's towards a different end because you want the experience of work 
to be enlivening and emboldening for people and people have clarity. You know, the words clarity is kindness, the idea that comes from StoryBrand. So I love the fact that you appreciate your oneness. Have you ever, like when you think of, and I'll go back to childhood stuff again, How did, do you remember how your oneness showed up as a kid? Zero memory of it. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Zero. Yep. I, I do wonder now that you've answered that a few times uh, with, I don't know. I, and, and I wonder if that's the part of the sevenness of just thinking through the stories. And- yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's like, I don't know if I want to like think about that, you know, like the seven parts is like, you know, I've already done the hard work, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, to some degree, my experience of life is so much lived in the future if it happened a week ago, right. probably not going to remember it. Um, I have a, a business with a friend who is an Enneagram eight. Hmm. And for the first couple of years, she'd be like, are you, are you okay after that thing that happened? And I go, what, what thing? <laughs> yeah. And what's funny to her, she's married to a seven. And she said, I always thought my husband was just downplaying it, that he doesn't hold a grudge and he, you know, he lets things go and he, he's not worried about what happened before. She said, but working with you, I realized the past is just the past. Yeah. And you're, you're not interested in hanging out there. So it is, it can be really hard mm. to get a seven to go back. But uh, I, I do see an, an echo in your life because there is a sense to where when you have experienced assurance from your father, like mm-hmm. you memorialize it. Mm. Like I, I can forget a lot of things, but I don't want to forget that. Yeah. yeah, that's well, why it's on my wall. Yeah. That's right. yeah, yeah. Well, so the the next part, the last part is the type five part. And usually, again, in Enneagram 101, they'll talk about this being the growth path, which is true. It's a great place for the seven to go to learn how to grow. Um, but you also will use some of the less healthy parts of five. Um, and usually that shows up more around family, maybe a close friend. So just to kind of give that caveat. Now we can use it other places too, but it's more or less likely going to be around the family. And see, fives are like the kind of the observers of the world. They're the ones that want to bring in all the information and to soak in information and to be knowledgeable and competent. They want to slow down and process their thoughts and feelings, usually privately. Um, now, what happens when they're not doing well, the type five will start to build boundaries because they're feeling like they're going to be, their inner resources and energy is going to be depleted and they're, they don't have anything left. So really what happens for the seven is the sevens are go, 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 fun, fun, fun. Like we said, life of the party when they're with everyone else. But usually when they come home or they're not working because you work from home, they start to get into a, more of a five space where they're trying to um, build, like to recharge or process their thoughts and feelings. And so it really is because my dad's a seven. It's really surprising for those that are in relationship with a seven because they're like, Hey, I see the life of the party out there. And then you come home and this person is more subdued and quiet and recharging. You're kind of like, you almost like you want to poke them like, Hey, are you okay? Is everything like, hello, where's the seven? Um, and so that's not bad or wrong. What we say about the blind spot path um, for each type is that the growth path, which is to the five as well, is that's hard to do the real growth path is hard. And so it kind of comes out sideways in a way that's like you just, instead of letting people know, Hey, I need to recharge. Can you give me some time? I need to process. I need to think. I need to journal. 
um, whatever it is that's going to help you to be more present in the moment. Um, that's the healthy part of the five bring coming in. But when that's too hard, the seven's just going to pull up those boundaries and pull up privacy and isolate themselves. And then everyone's like, well, where'd she go? What's happening? You know? And so it's just a little bit more, it's less communicated what the need is. And people don't really know what to do with that space of the seven um, because they can feel that strong boundary um, and they don't want to you know, transgress it because they don't want to upset the seven. At the same time, they are desperate to enjoy the seven like everybody else gets to. Um, so what we want the seven to do is when they start recognizing kind of the five coming out sideways and not in the healthy way is to recognize it and go, oh, this probably means I need some time to recharge. And how can I do that in a way around my family and others that is healthy? You know, how can I go inward, understand myself, understand my thoughts and feelings, even the hard, difficult ones, process that, savor the moment and see the blessings of God so that I can have enough energy to come back out again and give the best of who I am. So when does that misaligned part of the five and the aligned part of five show up in your life? Well, so clearly to hear you talk about it, I can go, oh, I, I can name that exactly. Early 2021, I found myself in a season of burnout. Mm. Now, Clients couldn't tell, colleagues couldn't tell, family could tell. Mm. And there was a couple of times that uh, on a Sunday my, or Saturday, my husband found me in the TV room just watching a whole series all day long. Yeah, And he was like, hey, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I just need to sit here and watch this all day long. And that was his indication. Something is really wrong. And he checked on me every couple hours, go, you still okay? And I go, yep, I just need to sit here and do nothing else, not talk to anybody, not do anything. I'm just going to watch this series. And he'd be like, okay, that, that kind of numbing out yeah. of me, not knowing what was wrong, but just having this weariness that I didn't have any energy left to give. I just needed to sit on the couch and be left alone because I didn't know how to channel it well into taking care of myself well right, right. because I was in that season of burnout. Yeah, that was that was early 2021. Uh, it's funny with my work as a coach, almost everyone I worked with at some point from beginning of 2021 to beginning of 2022 said, I think I'm burnt out. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so many of us were just holding on to so much in our businesses and our private lives, the, yeah. the stress of 2020 that kind of rolled into 2021. I joke that I just hit burnout before a lot of people, so yeah. I could help guide them through it. <laughs> right. But in a healthy way, five has always shown up in my life. I, I can remember being a little kid with my stack of encyclopedias going, oh my goodness, there's so much to learn. Mm -hmm. And then the internet was just encyclopedia on steroids. Yeah, you know, right. And I, yeah. So, oh, I, I can learn everything, and and I can channel that that love of of understanding myself and understanding the world, and and you know random facts that I learn online. I can channel that into helping with my coaching clients, and you know with you know putting different bits of research and stories and books together in a way that people will like. With my work as an author, uh, I I really really value that the strong type five. In, in my life and in my personality. Yes. You know, the stereotype of the five is they're secluded mm -hmm. and it's very academic. I love how you as a seven brought to this five part wonder mm -hmm. and curiosity. 
And even though you may be alone, other people are present in your mind mm -hmm. as you're researching these things. Yeah. It, mm. um, and you can speak to uh, Ali's subtype, mm -hmm. which is very two-ish, if I, if I remember, and very other-centered. Yeah. Is that right? Your, your subtype? Are you, which one are you? I'm self-pres. Okay. So that's mm -hmm. a little bit different, oh, gotcha. but I will say, you know, as, as you're talking, you know, and this is why I love EIP so much. And as we kind of wrap up uh, the show is that when you as a seven, so the seven is always leading with its core motivations, like we've talked about. Um, so every, all your parts are trying to assist it. But it all just depends, are they assisting your main type in a misaligned or aligned way? And so if we talk about everything kind of coming together from a misaligned following the wounded child, you have a seven who's like, I crave life. I crave excitement. I crave stimulation. I demand that I am fully satisfied and content. Therefore, I'm going to use my... Um, my five to kind of shut down when I'm, when I'm exhausted, I'm just going to kind of like shut people out of my life. I'm going to recharge somehow, some way it's too much. And then you've got the six over here going, well, you know, things aren't looking well in getting all this stimulation excitement. So I, I guess I'm just going to have to, to let it go quick because I can see all the, the worst case scenarios. And, and as a seven, I don't want that. So I'm just going to, I'm out. And then the one is going to get really prickly with everyone for not coming through for the seven and really get demanding and prickly and judgmental. And then the eight's like, okay, I'm just going to take charge. Like, forget all of you people. Like <laughs> I'm making this happen one way or another, you know, either you're in front of me or you're behind me, either way I'm plowing the path and we're going to make this happen. Well, that's the wounded part of the seven. But the beautiful part of the seven is when the beloved comes in and you know, you hear that voice of God saying, I am taking care of you and you rest in that. So then your heart is now full of joy and abundance. And then what you start to see is like the five, like you said, brings that, that, that curiosity, that wonder of life, bringing in all this information. And the six is like, wow, there are a lot of possibilities. Let's bring in our friends to think through all the possibilities and what can we do and how can we make this happen? And then one is like, yeah, well, let's follow this, this, this path of responsibility. Cause if we follow this path of responsibility, we'll actually get these fun things accomplished. And then it's like, yeah. And it's on the betterment on the behalf and the betterment of others. Let's plow a path for others. And that's how you bring all of it together with EIP for the type seven, because the seven is fun and excitable and brings joy in life, but without bringing these parts together, because they're all, they're all in there and they're all active. Mm -hmm. But if you don't see them and bring them in the beloved sense, they're going to cause harm, but how beautiful it is when they all come together under the beloved um, leadership and how the, the beloved, we always talk about driving the bus, you know, when the, when the beloved's driving the bus, all of the other parts of our heart can sit back and enjoy the ride and not panic and freak out. Um, so just kind of showing that kind of full synopsis, what does that feel like? And how does that uh, land on you? It feels like I just got an x-ray of my heart <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> Here it is, everyone. Yeah. Here's me. <laughs> and it is interesting. You mentioned something when we were talking a little bit there for about subtypes. So, you know, this is basically the essential EIP, but there are more parts to who we are. And so when Allie mentioned um, in regards to her self 
uh, preservation part of her heart that's much more trying to secure this essential needs in life, very mindful of it, provision. And uh, so totally makes sense. But it there are so many different parts of who we are that we that go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. And we have relationship with these parts, but we're not paying attention to it. So we end up living reactively. And we're hoping that EIP is just that, that it's it's not exposing, but it's actually affirming mm-hmm. to see like, oh, there's so much more opportunity that I have and have so much gifting, uh, which has been a gift that I've had all along. Yeah. Well, Allie, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it is a real gift to mm-hmm. type sevens and the type sevens that are in our lives. What we did today is in some form Enneagram coaching. We'd love for you to personally experience this by connecting with one of our certified coaches uh, at myenneagramcoach.com. You can find someone based on location or particular training. And also be sure to go and pre-order our book, More Than Your Number, which releases uh, uh, on the 20th of September. In fact, get one for your friend so that you would know and you'd have an Enneagram book that makes sense of the Enneagram and also helps you in your own personal life as well as your relational life. And Allie, where can people find you? I am Allie Worthington all over the internet on Instagram. My website's Allie Worthington and my podcast is the Allie Worthington Show. And I'm going to be on your podcast in a couple months so people can listen to me there. Or actually us, right? It's us. (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, thanks guys again for joining us. Next week, we're going to have a very special guest. Uh, We have the privilege of interviewing Russell Moore who is the public theologian at Christianity Today and the director of Christianity Today's Public Theology Project. Um, He is an author of several books, including The Courage to Stand Facing Your Fear Without Losing Your Soul. Um, So we want you guys to join us then. He is a type four, so we get to dive into the world of a type four with their EIP. And as always, please remember, the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus not your need to work harder. It's the gospel that transforms us. Bye.